right. Um, <clears throat> as I said, we're studying from chapter 79 of Testimonies for the Church. And um, this was an interesting chapter for me because um, she's talking about a brother in the church uh, who seems to be a pastor. Uh, was that everybody's impression that it was a pastor that she was dealing with? Yes. Mm-hmm. I just and thought it was an elder. You did? Yeah, I thought he was an elder. Okay. Uh, I thought there were a couple of places in there where she talked about leading the flock, so that's what made me think that he may have been an elder. But in any case, um, even though she's addressing a particular individual in this chapter, the good thing about the testimonies for the church is that there are things that we can glean from the readings as we uh, do self uh, in, in introspection and, 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 and inspection and see, you know, are there any of the things that are said in here that we could apply to our lives? So let's jump right in and uh, let's get started. So she's talking about a particular, now normally she doesn't um, name names. She'll, she'll put an initial there. Like she'll say Elder H or well, in this case, she said Elder H. We know sometimes that we do call our conference president Elder Bernard. So I'm not really sure if she's talking to a pastor or if she's talking to an actual church elder. But in any event, um, she talks, she, she, she named him by last name, which is unusual for her. Cause as I said, she usually will just put a first initial there. Anybody have an opinion about why she named this particular individual by his name? Um, yeah, you're right. Sometimes she does just say their last initial, but sometimes as specifically to a person. And it's, if it's like being a public issue, I think sometimes she will. I do see down below where she does refer to him as a minister and as a preacher. So he probably was. But the thing I wanted to point out, Karen, was uh, we can, no matter who she's directing comments to, or, you know, it is for all of us to learn from. That's why it's called Testimonies for the Church. Mm -hmm. Testimony to Brother Hall, but Testimonies for the Church, because anytime she's uh, explaining to someone what God expects, he's expecting that from all of us as Christian uh, witnesses for him. So we can always learn something from anything that, that she writes. And, and I thought maybe she used, I thought maybe she used his, his, his name this time because maybe there was another uh, brother H in the church. So I thought maybe she was making the distinguish between another, you know, brother H in the church. That could be, I, I think that a lot of times she wrote letters to people directly to them. And so I'm sure she used their name in the letters. It's just that very often when they were actually going to publish those things, like I said, you know, she would use the first initial, I guess, to, to, to keep at that private. But she says uh, in this, uh, well, the note in the first paragraph says that um, the letters that were addressed to Elder Hull were published. And that, um, and they were given to him at the time of their dates. So she did both. She gave him the letters, and those letters, these letters, were also published. 
And again, as, as, as Lee said, these are for all of our admonition, especially letters that are published. Now, there may be some letters that she wrote to individuals that were never published, and I'm sure there probably were, but these are for our admonition. The ones that were published are for our admonition also. And as I said, self-examination and self-reflection. Um, and so um, she says in here that it is there, it, um, that there was some kind of declaration and that it is there stated that Elder Hull needed to be led as a blind man who depends on another for sight. And uh, she said that initially he acknowledged that statement and the justice of it, but since then he has protested against it. So maybe again, that's why um, this was made public um, in the way that it was made public. And um, so she said that um, in his, that's, I guess since the general conference that was, uh, this was addressed at that um, in the short space of the past four months, he's abandoned every point of religious faith dear to us as a people. So, um, you know, apparently it didn't say that, that he was uh, dismissed as a minister say he abandoned the points of our faith. And so I guess that needed to be publicly addressed. Um, and then she said she was shown the condition of Brother Hall and that he was in an alarming state that he lacked consecration and vital piety. And that left him subject to Satan's suggestions. And he relied on his own strength instead of the strong arm of the Lord. And that the Lord's strong arm had been partially removed. You know, I had noticed how it said in a short space of the past four months. So after the conference, within four months, he had pretty much given up faith in all the uh, church beliefs, I guess. So mm -hmm. I didn't long. Sometimes we think a person gonna hang around for a few more years. You know, people can just say, forget it within a week or a day. And, you know, even though they've been in church a long time, if, as you just read, we let go of God's strong hand and rely upon our own strength, because we're no match for the devil by ourselves. Right. right. So what does the next paragraph say that she found most alarming about the condition of Brother Hull? That he didn't realize the danger he was in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He felt no alarm and he felt particularly secure and at rest while Satan and his angels were exulting over their conquest. And it, what was interesting to me, and then she says, as long as Brother Hull maintained a conflict, meaning there was a wrestling between good and evil in his mind, then his mind was, was geared up, I guess, so to speak. And there was a collision of spirits, but she said that he has now ceased that, con that conflict in his mind. And so the collision of the tug between right and wrong had ceased. His mind was at rest because Satan let him have peace. And she said, what a dangerous position this is. Let me ask you, have you ever, have you ever known anyone that you thought maybe um, this particular circumstance applied to? What do you mean, which circumstance? Meaning that they didn't, they didn't sense their spiritual danger. Oh. Well, I can speak for myself, Karen. As a teenager, I was there. 
That's everybody. That's why the church is called Laodicea. Mm. <laughs> but but you but you know I had I had brothers and sisters that were talking to me that was trying to get me to see, but I was like, well, you know, when I was out there doing my own thing, I wasn't getting in trouble, I wasn't hurting nobody, so I justified it. So I I can see how Satan let me have my peace. <laughs> you know, in the twenty third Psalm, it says, "Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death." So when we are walking through the valley of shadow of death, keep walking. Don't give up. Just keep walking. And it's the same when we are struggling with a sin. No matter how long you struggle with it, just keep struggling. Don't give up and just say, oh, well, ain't nothing I can do. Because when you do that, that's when the devil, like it says here, him and his angels just sit back and laugh at you now because they got you. So as long as we keep fighting as long as we keep saying, Lord, help me, Lord, save me, Lord, give me strength, Lord, forgive me, then God is right there with us. But we can't give up. Nobody is hopeless. So never give up. Mm -hmm. And uh, she says down the next paragraph, she said, how did the church deal with Brother Ho? They're being nice, probably. Let me hear you. Now, hold on. It says faithfully. Right. It says the church dealt with him faithfully, which means that I don't know if they disciplined him. I don't know. She, she doesn't really go into detail about that. Uh, or if they, the, the, or if, you know, the other ministers tried to, uh, or the conference president tried to deal with him. I know they have, I know the conferences have um, a committee or people that deal with the pastors when they're in trouble. And so maybe they they came in and tried to, to reason with him and try to deal with him. But what was his response to that? He felt like they were being hard and that they were holding him back. Mm -hmm. And he wanted to do what? Act out his own what? Yeah. Nature. Mm -hmm. Right. Which we all know that ain't good. <laughs> right. <laughs> we're born in sin, shaped in iniquity. Our nature is sinful. Right. We don't want to act that out. Right. And she says that while the power of truth in all its force had influenced him, he was comparatively safe. But she says, break the force and power of truth upon the mind and there is no what? No restraint. No restraint. And the natural propensities take the lead and there is no stopping place. That's kind of what you alluded to, Lee. Yeah, if you give a person an inch or give the devil an inch, he's going to take a mile. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right, as, they, as they say also, if you give him a ride, he's going to want to drive. Right. And uh, as you alluded to, Lee, he had given up. You said he became tired of the conflict. You know, he became tired of wrestling with mm -hmm. his sins, I guess, and wrestling to overcome them and wrestling to overcome the defects in his character. But the race is not given to who? Swift on the fast. Right, but to who? Those who endure to the end. That's right. That's right. And and Brother Hull gave up. He was tired. And uh we should never grow weary in well doing and grow weary in the race because we have to finish the race. And you know, it's funny, I remember years ago I heard a pastor preach a sermon about almost it's losing. But that's not the case with heaven. Well, well, I mean, what I mean is coming in last is losing, but with heaven, 
It doesn't matter if you come in last, does it? Just that you get there and you make it in. Amen. You know? <laughs> and so um, she said that he was, uh, he was, uh, he wanted to be himself and he wanted to act freely. And he, you know, he wanted to do the things that he wanted to do. And he felt restrained by the brethren and you, pastor, you can't, and pe people calling the conference office on him. <laughs> Mm. And um, so he was he was hurt by the reproofs. Well, you know, and, the same spirit that Lucifer had. He wanted yeah. his own thing. I yeah. want to do what I want to do. Not uh -huh. what do. But you so know what's crazy about that like is? That, we're just following through with his character. Right. But people like that who want to do what they want to do, they want to make disciples of what they want to do. Because they want people to follow them. It's not like they just want to go off on, a, on an island somewhere and do what they want to do. They want to take people with them. Misery that's what we saw. Huh? Misery loves company. Yeah, I mean, that's what we saw this past week with 45, you know? And, it, and the crazy thing about 45 was he didn't want to go with the people. He just wanted them to go do his dirty work. Mm -hmm. And uh, she said that... Um, she he was presented to her as standing on the brink of an awful gulf and ready to leap. And what what did she say would happen if he took that leap? It would be final. His eternal mm -hmm. destiny would be fixed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she said, you know, God does not depend on any one person to do the work that needs to be done. You know. She said, if he leaves the ranks, she said, what would happen? Same thing going to happen if any of us leave the ranks, the, the church will roll on. Right. Someone would replace us. Someone else would take our crown. No so crown they got it. It's their crown. What'd you say? I said, it's not your crown if they got it. It's right, right, right. If you if you if you leave the ranks, then yeah, it's not your crown anymore. Just don't get a crown. Right, right. And um, she said that if he took that leap, he would join the company that bear the black banner, and it would be to his loss and destruction. And um, let me see. It is interesting how when we sometimes we'll get upset at the church. Or people get mad at something going on in the church and they, well, I'll just leave. And then everybody just kind of looks at them <laughs> like, go ahead, you know, mm. going to continue on whether you right. hear it or not. Right. And like I said, right. that's your salvation. You're just going to bail out on yourself. Mm -hmm. Excuse me, excuse me. For some reason, yes. you all sound very low. Um, you can try turning your volume up and I'll see if the uh, I've done that already that was the first thing I did host can you turn the volume up and I hear music in the background does somebody else hear music yeah I hear music or singing or something someone's singing yeah hold on just a minute hold on Okay, uh, that's going on at my house. My son is over here playing gospel music and singing to it. So I had him turn it down a little bit. 
Um, in any event, she says that um, she says that if we want to doubt God's word, is there room to doubt His word? Yes. No. Yes. Wait a minute. Who said no? Who said no? That was me. Oh, Patsy. That was that was me. Okay. Why you say no? Because I said. We are to live by faith, something we cannot see. So if God tells us something is going to happen, it's going to happen. We shouldn't go through our own mind saying, now, wait a minute. Maybe he meant this and maybe he meant that. No, God's word is set in stone. But does he make us believe it? Does he force no. that on us? No, he gives us the, the power, to uh, free will to choose. Mm-hmm. Right. And so if we, if we choose not to live by faith in his word, are we free to do that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yes. we are. We are. And so, you know, it's it's like um when Jesus was on this earth and they put him on the on the cross. What did what did the what did the scribes and Pharisees say when Jesus was up on the cross? If he was the son of God, he can get himself down. And then what? And then we would what? Believe. 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 That's we'll right. Believe. That's right. But the question is, would they have believed if he had come down? Probably not. I don't think so. Right. He had done Why? so Why? many. Go ahead. I'm sorry. He had performed so many miracles while he was there. I mean, raising mm -hmm. Lazarus from the dead was like the pinnacle, you know, of mm -hmm. his miracle working. And they still mm -hmm. didn't believe. They still insisted on killing him. Right. And he and so he said to them, or one of the things that he said was, if you don't believe on me, believe the works that I've done. Mm -hmm. And they didn't do either. So him coming down from the cross wouldn't have done anything for them. They would have just been more determined to kill him. Yeah. Or well, figure if out he come down from the cross, it would have neglected the whole plan of salvation as well. Right. So it would be less to believe in. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. It kind of uh, right on the next paragraph, Karen, on 428.1 at the bottom half. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's just like with this guy, that he didn't wait till he knew that the truth or cause of God demanded a discussion. He didn't think about, should I even engage with these people? Should I even talk to these people? Says, but you have engaged with opponents where with a little forethought, you would have decided that the truth could not be advanced or the mm -hmm. God benefited and basically you just wasted time so same way with Jesus he knew that the cause would not be benefited coming off the cross or that those people were not going to believe anyway so why mm -hmm. waste mm -hmm. have you ever been in that situation where you knew somebody wanted to argue with you or, or it was going to be an argument and you decided you know what it's not going to change their mind let me just be quiet mm -hmm. amen <laughs> I know I've been in that situation before. Um, let's see. And then uh, down in the next paragraph, 428.2, um, she talks about how Satan had looked on and witnessed the heavy blow which Brother Hull had dealt, dealt to spiritualism in Battle Creek. 
And she said, spiritualists understood his organization and felt assured it would not be in vain to make a determined effort to overthrow him who injured their cause so much. So basically the devil was after him. Apparently he had preached against spiritualism and he had won some converts to the church because of that. And the devil was after him. And, and, and it's, it's almost like, you know, re remember when um, Elijah was running from Jezebel after, after Mount Carmel, he had, and God had displayed uh, uh, the miracle on Mount Carmel. And then Jezebel told him, well, by nightfall, once she found out that he'd slain all her priests, um, Jezebel sent word that by nightfall, you're going to be dead. And he, fl he fled because he was afraid of Jezebel at that point. Well, this almost sounds like Brother Hall, he, he, he got a great victory, but then he got afraid. Somebody had a comment? One of, the really... one of the things with Elijah, when he was dealing with the um, prophets, fake prophets on Mount Carmel, he knew God was with him and God was with him. But then when he dealt with Jezebel, he was on his own. And mm -hmm. or, he felt, or he thought that he was on his own. Yeah, the same with Brother Hall and the spiritualist. He went mm -hmm. to combat spiritualists by himself without consulting God. Mm -hmm. You're never mm -hmm. going to win because you're not wrestling flesh and blood, but principalities and powers, Satan and his angels. And as we said before, you can't deal with, with Satan by yourself. Right, right. That's exactly what she says, that he went out there on his own to meet them, to meet uh, with the spiritualists. But not only was he meeting with the spiritualists, but he was meeting with Satan and his angels himself. Mm -hmm. You know, and when I read that, uh, Karen, it reminded me of a, um, an experience I had some years ago. I had a girlfriend and she was dying of cancer and she was seeing, I say they were demons. She was seeing demons um, in her house, you know, and she had invited uh, me over. And I talked to a pastor about that, about going over there because I was convicted that it was not a good thing to do. And so um, he was like, no, you know, don't go over there to leave that alone. And when I read this, I was very grateful that I didn't go over there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And she, and she even says, she says, if you feel it absolutely necessary to confront Satan and his hosts, then she said, and if enough is at stake to call for such a discussion, then several should go forth together with that prayer and faith that the host of darkness may be driven back and the speaker shielded by angels that excel in strength. It reminds me of the story in the Bible when the disciples were trying to cast out, uh, I think, demons and they weren't able to. And then when they came along, they asked Jesus, why weren't we not able to? You know? And what did Jesus say about that? Some uh, for prayer and fasting. Right, Absolutely. And doesn't sound like Brother Hull did any of that. Doesn't sound like prayer and fasting, or did he take anybody with him? Um. And I think, too, it's just really important to just point out this instruction that she's giving here that, you know, don't take this stuff lightly about being around uh, people. Sometimes people say, I think it's a demon walking with them. Uh, my mother was wanting to go to a church where they were casting out demons. And I was like, girl, you better leave that church alone. <laughs> not demons there they're not casting them out in st louis so mm -hmm. um it's really serious that's a very serious issue 
Right. That we should not just wander into stuff. And also that lets us know too why we need to have a relationship and connection with God so we can have discernment of what we're dealing with when we're working with people. Mm -hmm. I remember one time a few years back, uh, my husband and I were out in a public place and there was a lady nearby and she was sitting there and the Holy Spirit impressed upon me that she was possessed of a demon. And uh, I told Andre, I said, we just need to start praying. I said, because um, this woman is possessed of a demon. Now we didn't go up to her because the Holy Spirit didn't tell me to go up to her, mm -hmm. but to just pray, you know? And also yeah. because we were in the, we were nearby her, like you said, <laughs> Lakita, I didn't want that demon coming on us. Right, and this it sounds funny, but we got evidence of that in the Bible when the demon said, let us go into something or somebody. Right, right. Uh -huh. So we can't be taken lighthearted about people. You know, if you feel the presence of a demon, get away from that. Don't, don't, don't stare mm -hmm. away with mm -hmm. you know, all this stuff that people think is funny. Don't be going like, hello, how are you? No. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Right. And in the next paragraph, she talks about Brother Hall under the soothing influence of a fascination which would prove fatal unless the spell was broken. So apparently, when Brother Hall went and did this without prayer, without fasting, without reinforcements, others going with him, he was drawn in by Satan. And a, and a spell was a fatal. So she said that would prove fatal unless that spell was broken. She said, she said he had parlayed with Satan, meaning she had danced, he had danced with him and reasoned with him. Now, does Satan want you to reason with him? Does he care if you reason with him? He wants you to try. Exactly. He yes. knows he can trip you up. Mm. Satan never, there's, I don't think that, I don't, I don't remember reading anything in the scripture where Satan says, come, let us reason together. Oh. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He don't care. He, he wants to force your will. He wants to force you to do what he wants you to do. And uh, he has studied us enough to know that if he brings certain temptations in front of us, he, 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 he has a pretty good idea that we would fall to those things. I think, um, he, like, I think like it's sit, like we're reading. Yeah. They just sit back and laugh at you thinking you can reason with, with them, mm -hmm. the angels. Cause you don't know as much. You're not as smart. You're not as strong. You're nothing without Christ. And if they can get you to think, you're something you're going to lose every time right so they happy to right. think you can come and reason and right it's a vet with um, eve in the garden you know she's going to come and reason and talk to to the satan and then you know she was right right there with god there was nothing between her and communicating with god and yet mm -hmm. she was she was deceived right absolutely and uh she says that 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 he um he had tarried on forbidden ground. And she said he exercised his mind in things which were too great for him. Don't really know what that means. She didn't really go into that. But she said by indulging doubts and unbelief, she, he attracted evil angels around him mm. and drove from him who? Holy angels. Oh, the pure and holy angels. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Drove the pure and holy angels. You ever heard it said, you ever been told, well, there's certain places you can't go because the Lord's angels won't go in there with you? Yeah. <laughs> you ever heard that? Mm -hmm. I heard that, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and well, in this particular... There, if you're going huh? with the motive of ministering to somebody or reaching a crowd that you might not otherwise have contact with, 
I mean, mm -hmm. does that matter? If you go in your own strength, it matters. If you go because God sent you there, well, I think he'll cover you. But even she just gave us instructions. If you go into something and you feel like the spirit of God or unholy angels reside there to take, don't go by yourself in your own strength. You have to go mm -hmm. pray first, take mm -hmm. people prayers. Don't take people who are halfway there themselves. Mm -hmm. People who are, you know, you believe or rather let the Lord show you who to take with you. Mm -hmm. You have to be completely in God's um, hand with that because you know, this stuff is serious. These, this, these things that get on you and you won't know what's wrong with you. Right. And, and, and here's the thing. Here's the thing, too, is that we know that God sends the rain on the just and the unjust. We know that if at any point our guardian angel was to step back from us, Satan would rush right in and do what? Kill us. Right. Absolutely. So there has to be some measure of protection that still surrounds us if we're still living as a result of, you know, the things that we choose to do. But at the same time, we don't have that. We don't have, according to, to, to this, Brother Hull did not have um, the pure and holy angels of God around him. So, you know, we've always heard it said, or well, as Adventists, we've heard it said, you know, you want your home to be a place where angels love to dwell. That doesn't mean that your, that your guardian angel leaves you, that singular angel leaves you, but that, you know, you, you want the atmosphere surrounding you that many angels want to be near you and around you. Brother Hull didn't have pure and holy thoughts or um, desires either. And so, mm -hmm. and to point out that when you are doubtful and doubting and, you know, not pure and holy in thought, yeah, the holy angel's not going to be around you. Mm -hmm. angels crowd around you even more because now they say oh we got a foothold with this person let's keep after him yeah and she says further down this paragraph not only did he go alone to meet this spiritualist not only did he go without prayer and fasting but she says that he went with doubts himself right that's what i'm saying well don't forget also uh, the fact that he physically went to seek out a soothsayer or whatever that's a willful intentional act mm -hmm. that makes a difference mm -hmm. and that he, he he went to battle with satan without armor so since it says he went to battle with satan without armor did he go with the right intent but he just did not have the guidance of god to do that it goes back to i think something one of you said lee or lakita said he went in his own strength okay and you never, we never, ever, ever match for Satan when we go on our own strength. Yes. You know, the word says, be, be strong in the Lord and the power of whose might? Mm -hmm. His might, right? Not our might, his might. And, and remember that Satan never lost any of his power. He never lost anything except his place in heaven when he was cast out of heaven. Here's uh, what she says too. I saw that you have felt strong in yourself, felt that you had arguments which could not be gainsaid, and you have not relied upon the strength of the Lord. You have too often rushed upon Satan's ground to meet an opponent. You have not waited until you knew that the truth or the cause of God demanded a discussion. And have engaged with opponents where with a little forethought, you would have decided that the truth could not be advanced. So that was, you said that a little earlier, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And so, and so this is a lesson for all of us. You know, sometimes we'll say, well, the Lord said to do something, <laughs> but do we pause long enough to hear how he says to do it? Or do we just rush out, rush right out and go do what, what we think that the way that we think it should be done. Mm-hmm. And like we always say during the class, you have to be in tune with the Lord to know his voice from all the other voices swirling around your head. Now, mm-hmm. I forget which verse it is, but one of the verses says uh, that a couple of disciples was trying to cast out demons. And the demon said, uh, we know Peter and Paul, but we don't know. We you. don't know you. Right. Who are you? you into them. <laughs> right. so, yeah, you can't just go out there on your own strength. And I think that movie, y'all remember the movie, The Exorcist. Mm-hmm. I think after that movie, a lot of people start thinking it was easy to deal with exorcism and demons. Right. You bet you a lot of people got in the world of hurt trying to cast out demons without any strength from God or uh, mm-hmm. the armor. Because mm-hmm. they make mm-hmm. it seem like, oh, yeah, I could do this. I'll cast out a demon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, when my father was pastoring in Africa. He said that um, there was a particular medicine man and he would do this satanic stuff. And um, he had to deal with that. But I think that, you know, he had to deal with it in a way that God showed him how to deal with it, you mm-hmm. know? And um, so, you know, he didn't have any harrowing stories about the demon jumping on him, you know, <laughs> as a result of, of him dealing with, with the, the, this situation with this medicine man. Praise the Lord for that. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, that's uh, the belief in, in the power of demons being very strong, even stronger. Some people believe in God. It's why the church uh, came up with, I think, the 28th fundamental belief. And they had to point out that God's power is much more powerful and stronger than the demon's power because there are whole cultures who really believe that Satan is all powerful. And that's why they're mm. scared of him and following voodoo and de- demonistic rituals and stuff. Mm. And the church had to put in that last belief saying that's, that's false. You know, you don't have to be fr- afraid of that. God is more powerful than the demons. Now, I'll tell you a situation opposite from that. And if Andre's on the line, he can probably jump in here. But uh, he uh, had a co-worker that believed in God, but she didn't believe in the devil. She didn't believe the devil was real. Mm-hmm. And so uh, and you might want to tell that story, Andre. Yeah, well, there was a lot of things I think that she had to deal with from her childhood. And she would say, I believe in the Lord, I believe in God, but I don't believe in heaven. So then I said, well, if you don't believe in heaven, then where is God? And she said, you know what? I don't know. I don't know where he is. And I thought to myself, well, what is the problem here? What, where are you, where's your belief system? Why, why is it that you don't believe in the devil? I said, so tell me who what drives someone to take their child and bang their head against the sidewalk until they die? Well, they're crazy. I said, so where did that come from? Well, maybe that came from um, their parents or whatever. And she kept going back and I kept saying, well, where did that come from? Well, where did that come from? Mm-hmm. We kept going back and back and back. 
I said, so there's some evilness that came from way back that is still here. We're still dealing with it. There's still demons out here. So who is controlling the demons? Where are the demons coming from? So she just really couldn't explain any of that stuff. She just told me she didn't believe in it. I said, well, whether you believe in it or not, it's there. It's mm -hmm. very real. Yeah, I know someone that believes in God but doesn't believe in evil. Yep. That there's an evil force. You know, when you're looking around and you see all this stuff going on, she only believes in good. Mm -hmm. That sounds yeah. pretty much like what he was talking about. Mm -hmm. I you think there's some people too they say, oh, I don't believe in God or I don't believe in this or that. It's because they never investigated. They've never researched. They've never studied. They never looked into it. And in fact, they don't want to look into it because it's too much effort on their part. So they just say, oh, I don't believe in that. But like what I did when you quiz them and ask them about it, they don't have any foundation for what they say they believe or don't believe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. It's just a baseless belief. <laughs> okay. Um, and she talks about down in paragraph, near the bottom of paragraph 428.3, she talks about how the brethren and the sisters could save her, but that they could not because he wouldn't listen. <laughs> she says, if you do not arouse and recover yourself from the snare of the devil, you must perish. And she said, I saw that those who were under the bewitching influence of spiritualism don't even know it. And she said, in fact, he had been charmed and mesmerized. Mm. Isn't that something? That he went to deal with it on, in his own strength and he had got caught in Satan's net. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And she says, so because he didn't know it and because other people didn't know it, they don't make any effort to come out from under that and into the light. And that's a dangerous place to be in to me. That that would be a really dangerous place to be in that you are under Satan's spell. You don't know it. So you don't even know to pray to ask the Lord to help you come out from under it. But it all started with him going in his own strength to meet a foe that he thought he could, he could handle. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of people who are on drugs and, and hallucinating and mm -hmm. they snakes or spiders and people around them are saying no it's no snakes and spiders here there's nothing there well to that person they are there and it's real so mm -hmm. wrapped up into some false beliefs they think it's real no matter what you say mm -hmm. you see mm -hmm. it here you have a part to play so the people mm -hmm. in the, in my situation in my example who are on drugs and stuff they got to stay off the drugs they got to get mm -hmm. off and stay off then they can see the truth of what's really around and what's going on mm -hmm. you know when i was in school i used to always say there's there's no wrong question i said but if you don't know that you don't know you don't even know to ask the question you know mm -hmm. and that's um what, huh? that's why david says uh, search me oh lord and try me Mm -hmm. asking God to show me, help me to see myself as I truly am rather than right. around here and be in the dark and get lost. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, she refers in the next paragraph to the shaking time. What is the shaking time, anybody? What's the shaking time? Now. 
I guess when the supposed Christians are going to be shaken out. Mm. And uh, mm. I guess the uh, Christians will <laughs> be shaken in and other folks maybe. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And she says that during this time, Satan is working with all power to wrest souls away from the hand of Christ and cause them to trample underfoot the son of God. And she says... Um, that an angel slowly and emphatically repeated these words of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite unto the spirit of grace. So, so basically saying that you know, you've done this thing and you don't even realize that you're you're no longer walking with Christ anymore. You understand? You, you're, you're not even walking with Christ anymore. You don't even realize it because of the choices that you have made. And um, so she said that God is testing and proving his people and that um, she says, take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast until the end. So, so uh, it, it goes back to the race and we should be steadily advancing in, in, and becoming more and more like Christ and not deviating off down paths that lead to nowhere. Well, well, they don't lead to heaven. I'll put it like that because they lead somewhere. Every path, every detour that we take leads somewhere, but um, doesn't lead to heaven. And so um, she says, we need to hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast until the end. And she says that God is displeased with people who have known of his power and grace. And they start talking about their doubts. And thus, by doing that, they open up a channel for Satan to come in. Mm -hmm. When they start doubting the word and start doubting the truthfulness of the word. And like you, that area you were just reading, Karen, not only for Satan to come in, but to transmit his suggestions to other people. Mm -hmm. All one of the one of the uh, members was always speaking very doubtful about the church and about the prophet, and and people would be gathering around to listen to this person talk, you know, negative about the church. And I told him, I said, "Man, you need to take that stuff elsewhere. If you don't believe, then leave. Nobody right. need to be here. You just would. He just there drawing other people to foolishness." Mm-hmm. That's what people do when they, they think they're just expressing their opinion. But what you're not realizing is Satan will use your doubtfulness and your negativity to draw other people away from Christ. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I also remember a situation where a lady had come in. She was a family member of a member. She had come in because she was convicted on the Sabbath. And she ended up leaving because she said, I thought that this church that people would be holy and they would be <laughs> full of piety she said but they sit down here after church on sabbath talking about anything and everything 
Uh-uh. So. Yeah, she did not so, give her away, though. Well, I agree with you, Alvina. You know, what that, because. What'd you say, Alvina? That should have not kept her away or made her go away. Mm-hmm. Looking at other folks. Right. Because she was a new Christian, so I get that. Right. And she, 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 she did not have her eyes fixed on Christ. Well, she, and so she was looking for a safe place. She, it, the environment should have been different. Mm-hmm. Right. No, I think God led her to the right environment. She has to, just like we're talking about, we have to know who we are on the inside. I'm sure the Holy Spirit was tell, talking to her. He, he spoke to her to come into the church. He led her to that church. They were exactly what she needed to be saved. We don't like the medicine sometimes that we're getting, but it's what we need to be saved. You know, mm. think about, you know, like, um, I'm going to be at this church or I'm going to marry this person or whatever, you know, I'm going to, uh, or my son-in-law, cousins, whatever. All these people are here to help us get to church, to get to heaven. And the truth of the matter is they show us who we are, who we are. Are we kind, even though we don't like the people? Are we, are we down there? You know, yes, they should not be talking about people, but it show her something about herself too. I'm a little judgmental. It, it doesn't sound like she didn't know Christ. She came in because she had an experience with him and she came in because she was convicted of the Sabbath. Yes, the church should be better. Yes, people should not say that stuff. But we have to remember that we are to gain a relationship with God. And he's showing us, thank these people who are being ridiculous and uh, they're showing me how ridiculous I am and watching them because they're helping me get to heaven. Do that make sense? Yes, and so I want to bring out the point too. Was there only one kind of seed that was sown in the parable of the sower? No, it was several types. Of it was several types, right. And so that, that illustrated the different people when they hear the word, what happens when they hear the word. And so, you know, and she says, Ellen White says at the bottom of this paragraph, she said a good seed sown needs to be nourished, watered and tenderly cared for because every poisonous influence is thrown about it to hinder its growth and cause it to die. So, you know, I, I, be, I believe that this woman came in with a preconceived notion about what she would find when she came into the truth. And the thing about it is sanctification is the work of a lifetime. And she expected, I guess, instant sanctification when she found the truth. She expected that there would be people that would be basically on their way to being translated. She expected what? that from others. I'm not for sure what she was, what standard she was holding herself to. Right, right. So okay. using right. your term, Karen, she's right. looking for people that hey. would be, what she first... realized is she's she's going to find people who are being sanctified. It's a journey we haven't attained yet, like the scripture says. Not that I have attained, but I am on the journey. So if we come mm -hmm. to churches, and many people do, come to church thinking, oh, these people have arrived. They are holy. And then you get there and you say, these people still struggling. Well, mm -hmm. was your idea of the church in the first place that these people are on the way to on the way to holiness and sanctification? Then when you got there, you'd say, yeah, this is a good place because everybody's trying to do right and they listening to the Lord and they learning and moving forward. 
But people all have that idea that people in church are holy. That's not true. It's a mm-hmm. false idea. We're trying to and, get- and, 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 you know, I have to say that, that that idea must come from Satan because he uses it to discourage people when they get there and they find that mm-hmm. the church is a hospital of spiritually mm-hmm. sick people, you know? And I can see if she felt that it was a toxic environment, like Alvina said, with her being, you know, a new Christian or a new Sabbath believer, that would be challenging for her if that environment was toxic. She might not have thought that was the best place for her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When I first came to the church, it was just something I said, the closest church and Google it. And I forgot, or I didn't realize that my uncle had went to that church when he was uh, with uh, Diane. I forgot that he had that funeral at the church. I think it was a makeover. It just looked different to me. And I realized, but when I first came to the church, I wasn't very warmly welcome. I'm just saying I was not. But that didn't make me keep away because I was wanting to get close to God. So I still mm-hmm. kept coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like I said, you know, the, by the parable of the sower, sower tells us that there's many different kinds of seed in the ground that it falls into. So, um, Alvina, you were one that it was the good seed. It fell on good ground. The seed fell on good ground. You were that good ground, you know. Ooh. Oh, good ground. All right now. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, Karen, what have you started? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, down in the next paragraph, she's, she talks about how Satan's efforts are what? What are Satan's efforts now? More than ever before. Right. His time is short. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she says that Brother Ho had injured himself by exposing his weakness and telling his doubts to those who were Satan's agents. She said, you've been deceived by soft words and fair speeches and have exposed yourself in a most reckless manner to the attacks of Satan. She says, how could you thus wound yourself and reproach God's word? You have recklessly rushed upon Satan's battleground and it is no marvel that your mind is so stupid and unfeeling that was a pretty they, rough sentence. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> like, wow. Okay. She, she says, already has Satan, through his agents, poisoned the atmosphere you breathe. Already evil angels have telegraphed to his agents upon earth in regard to the course to be pursued towards you. And this is one whom God has called to stand between the living and the dead. This is one of the watchmen stationed upon the walls of Zion to tell the people the time of night. She says a heavy responsibility rests upon you. If you go down, you will not go down alone for Satan will employ you as his agent to lead other souls to death. You know, that, 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 that says a lot right there. Basically, if the watchman who has been stationed on the wall to guard the people and to guard the, their, their salvation, if he loses his footing, then what? And don't we see that clearly? Yep. Here in the United States. I mean, it is <laughs> clear thing that, you know, the guard has let everybody down, you know, and have taken so many people with them. More yeah. than 160 some of the rest so far. So, mm. yep. Yep. Yes, you're absolutely right. And so. And that, has, that has happened in churches too where the leader 
And as we were talking about earlier, this guy apparently was a pastor of a church. People follow the leader. They really do. Even though in the Adventist church, we try and say we're not supposed to follow the leader, the pastor, we're supposed to follow Jesus. Many people still follow the pastor. Uh, when we right. in our own conference, the pastor goes astray or aside from what the church beliefs are, and then several or more people in the congregation go with them. Because mm -hmm. you do have influence or star power or leadership influence that some people are going to follow you. So as she's saying, you're not going by yourself. You're going mm -hmm. to bring other people to perdition with you. Right. And especially weaker souls that mm -hmm. are, like you said, Lee, looking to the, the, the shepherd for direction. The under shepherd. Yeah, right. The under shepherd. Right. For direction. And they're going to follow that under shepherd wherever he ends up going. Absolutely. Um, I think we're going to stop here for today and we will pick up the rest of the chapter um, week after next. Um, but, um, you know, I think I think this bears some reflection for us in terms of, you know, what manner of persons are we? Are we going to when the when the when the going gets really rough, are we going to give up or are we going to stay the course? And who's going to lead us? Are we going to follow the leaders of the church or are we following God? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, following Which, God. Right. Right. Which goes back to no matter what the leader is doing, if he's if he veers off course, we got to stay on course. That's right. You know, uh, Elder that's Brown true. used to say, we got to stand for the right, though the heavens may fall. That's right. And that's one of the reasons why the Bible says there is wisdom in a multitude of counsel. So that mm -hmm. if your church pastor is going astray, then the church board, the executive board, the church board, the members have to stand up and say, Pastor, we're not in agreement with that. You know, mm -hmm. about this before we just go doing that. But many mm -hmm. people are, again, too busy following the pastor and afraid to stand up. Only to our own harm if we don't, you know, we have every right to say, I agree or I disagree. You have every right to say that, whether you're talking to the pastor or even talking to your spouse or a friend or neighbor, you have every right to agree or disagree. It's your choice. Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. Okay, um, Lee, what are we studying next week? We're in the book Heaven, and we're going to pick up in chapter five at paragraph 48.1. Okay. Uh, Elder Carroll, remember I, our, our book that we got doesn't have the, when you say point something, so we need yeah. to know the, like, like the, top, the topic sentence, but yes, I can yes. find it in chapter, chapter five when you guys start talking. I always try to find out where you're at, but we don't have those point whatevers. Yes, Jesus welcomes the redeemed to the new Jerusalem. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then uh, uh, we will pick, pick up where we left off the following week in this uh, chapter. Okay. Uh, let me close out with prayer. Dear, kind, gracious, loving, heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come and just study, Lord, with you and study with the spirit of prophecy, Lord Jesus. And Lord, those things that we have studied, Lord, help us to examine ourselves, Lord Jesus, and to put away from us anything that we 
that you exposed in us that is not like you, Lord God. And I pray, Lord, that we will not be among those in the end that the angel says, leave, let them alone. They are joined to their idols because anything that we place above you, anything that we, uh, even ourselves, when we uh, go to do things without your power and your strength, Lord, we have put ourselves up on a pedestal. And so, God, I just ask that you help us, Lord, to examine ourselves and to put away our sins and to put away our idols, Lord. And until we meet again, I pray that you would bless us and keep us safe. I pray that you would continue to pour out of your Holy Spirit upon us each and every day and that we would draw closer to you, that we would receive a love of the truth and that we would obey the truth as it is in you, Christ Jesus. All these things we ask in the holy name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.